Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, April 18th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A judge will hear motions today on the effort by Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey to remove St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. Some question Bailey's move, including defense attorney David Mueller, who is running for circuit attorney in next year's Democratic primary. These are local problems with local solutions. And to me, it's a it's a mistrust of the St. Louis city voters. And I trust the city voters to get it right next August. Today's hearing comes as another judge is threatening to hold Gardner in contempt after a prosecutor did not show up for a murder trial. And there are reports of more resignations in the circuit attorney's office. Gardner says the attorney general has not proven neglect of duty. And as St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, Bailey will need to clear a high legal standard to force the circuit attorney from office. Bailey is contending that Gardner mismanaged the circuit attorney's office, leading to daunting caseloads for her staff and a toxic work environment. Legal experts say that Bailey will have to prove that Gardner willfully neglected her duties in office. Former Judge Joe Danderan says Bailey has a high bar to clear to convince Judge John Torbitsky that Gardner should go. The judge I know will take the issue very seriously and recognize that it is a high bar. Gardner is saying that Bailey hasn't proven she willfully neglected her duties and has added she can't be personally blamed for the failures of her staff. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Another judge has set a hearing for next week to determine if Gardner should be held in contempt. That's after a prosecutor did not show up yesterday for a murder trial. Gardner's office did not respond to a request for comment. The potential to be held in contempt comes as KSDK reports several judges say at least two more prosecutors have submitted their resignations. Gardner has emailed staff calling this an opportune time to, quote, express my profound gratitude for each of you. The circuit attorney also wrote she denies any claim that she is throwing her staff under the bus. In other news, an online petition is alleging the Kirkwood School District discriminated against three openly transgender educators. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports, many are taking the issue directly to members of the district's Board of Education. Trans rights proponents in Kirkwood wore matching red and cheered at Monday's board meeting. They were in support of three openly trans educators who say they were pushed out of the district because of their identities. Hollis Moore is one of them. They have been a gifted education specialist in the district for four years. They're leaving at the end of this school year because they say the district forced them to do things cisgender teachers didn't have to do. What I really want is for the district to recognize that there's something they need to address and take internal movements to address it. The district won't comment on personnel issues, but its superintendent, David Ulrich, committed to creating inclusive spaces for staff and families in a statement earlier this month. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. The Missouri House has passed legislation forcing transgender athletes to play on school sports teams matching their gender marked on their birth certificates. Trans athletes would no longer be able to play on teams that align with their gender identity. The new restrictions would apply from sixth grade through the collegiate level. House floor leader John Patterson supports the bill. I think what we're seeing is we want to ensure fairness and safety for all athletes. 
The legislation now goes to the Senate. House members in Jefferson City have also passed legislation allowing concealed carry permit holders to bring a firearm on public transportation or into places of worship. That measure is going to the Senate. Anyone with a permit would be allowed to carry a firearm while traveling by bus as well as other modes of public transportation. The legislation would not apply to anything involving Amtrak. Sixteen St. Louis aldermen have said their goodbyes to the board. Yesterday was the final day for the 28-member panel. It opens a new session today with only 14 aldermen. It will also be the first time in 46 years a member of the Bosley family will not be on the board. Brandon Bosley was defeated in last month's primary. I'm hurting on the inside, um, not because of the job. It's because I love what I do. I actually love helping my people. To the next person that's coming up, please treat our people right. I know you will. Bosley's father, Freeman, held the seat from 1977 until 2017. An East St. Louis English teacher has been named Illinois' Teacher of the Year. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports on the surprise announcement for Brianna Morales. Morales has taught high school English at Gordon Bush Alternative School since 2018. The award from the Illinois State Board of Education provides her with funding for a one-year sabbatical to train other teachers throughout the state. Morales says she'll use some of that time to champion the work of schools like hers. Alternative education overall is not highlighted as often as it should be for the amazing things that are happening in classrooms across the state with some of our most vulnerable youth. Originally from Chicago, the 27-year-old says she knew she wanted to work in East St. Louis after service work while she was in college. With the state award, Morales will also represent Illinois at the National Teacher of the Year program later this year. I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. Music is a family business for St. Louis native Charlie Berry. He grew up playing guitar with his father, Charles Butch Berry, and performed a few times with his grandfather, rock and roll inventor Chuck Berry. Charlie was on his grandfather's final album, released after his 2017 death. The Charlie Berry Project now plays at Blueberry Hill. That's the venue where Chuck Berry kept a monthly residency for years. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Charlie Berry about the first time he played with his grandfather and how that influenced him as a musician. When I was about 13 or 14, I said, Dad, I've been playing instruments for a little while now. I was like, I really want to play with you and Papa. Will that be possible to do? And he said, I'm going to call your grandfather, see if he wants you to come up there too. And uh, originally he said, I want you to play two songs with us at first. And then um, we get into the set. And then my grandfather goes like, nah, just stay here for the whole thing. <laughs> so where was that? That was at the pageant. Can you tell me about what it was like walking on stage and, and playing with your grandfather for the first time? Uh, terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so was that playing like the, the Chuck Berry songbook? Oh, yeah, 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 man. Um, I think, um, which is kind of crazy to think about because I've been playing that rhythm since I was like a child. <laughs> uh, before I knew what I was doing, like his his iconic rhythm, I have been realized that the other day, I've been playing that for almost, yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah. Does that, <laughs> yeah. work? Does that show up in, in your work? Oh, in original song? it's starting to now. We was rolling down 64, hoping to make a fresh little score, put our little money together. With our hopes of making skip day better, Stop. 7-11, we was gonna get high, but we needed supplies, it was in the 
Gray was participated in the in the invention of the idea of a teenager, right? of, of there being this class of people in this age who have their own tastes and their own spending money, and that right. sort of a post-war development. Right. And he's saying a lot about teenage issues, right? He's singing about going on dates and, and driving his car. <laughs> right. And you, you're in your late 20s, but I hear in some of your original work, you approach some similar themes, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, want to try and have my own voice, but still stay true to the, uh, the rock and roll template. I was like, it, it works. People still do it. And you have a sense of humor in your in your songs too, right? Oh, yeah. How does that factor into the whole thing? I guess it's really just making fun of myself. <laughs> yeah. Just making fun of myself from um, from personal experience. Uh, I, I have a song called Two Hundred Dollars, and it's it's just about being irresponsible and be like, man, I have no money left. Do not say this from a place of arrogance, but if you want to hear something that's close to how he was playing, um, after this long, you're not gonna find this anywhere else. <laughs> and I know that. Uh, you gotta come to Blueberry Hill for that on a Wednesday night. And now I've got my band up to speed on that too. This is a group effort amongst all musicians to keep any style of music going, uh, growing, and alive. I would love to hear other people play that that style of music, or some Little Richard, or or even some Elvis, or keep Jimmy alive too. That's one thing I don't want to see is people be like, "Man, rock is it's dead. It's not." That's musician Charlie Berry talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. Our David Casares edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.